end of time, the podcast. I am your host on this journey to uh, the end. I'm James Cremato. Thank you for tuning in to the James Cremato Show podcast, coronavirus edition number five or something. It's nuts out there, ladies and gentlemen. It is insane. It is absolutely insane right now. There's no other way to put it. There's no other way to put it. We're here. We're in the end game. This is where the Avengers assemble. This is where Thanos is really pissed. We need Robert Downey Jr. now. We don't have Robert Downey Jr. Why? Because he's bunkered down in some apartment in New York. Okay? Another week. Well, actually, it's only been a few days. Our last podcast was Friday. And I'm filming this, recording this on a Monday. So it's only been a couple days. It's been a weekend. And we got a lot to talk about. Again, scriptless. We're just going to let it rip. We're going to talk coronavirus, I suppose. We're going to mention the Democratic debate, I suppose. We'll mention a few things in the NFL, some very minute things. It's hard to even, it's hard to even give a topic any of my time when a situation is as, as dire as it is right now. I saw on GQ's Instagram, right before I started the podcast, I saw where they were talking about Timothy Chalamet and Andrew Garfield's style, their big fit for the day. And it's like, GQ, wake up. What are you, what are you doing, GQ? I'm not interested in Andrew Garfield's chinos. I'm not interested in Timothy Chalamet's baggy sweatshirt. It's a pandemic, GQ. So I would attempt to talk about uh, the DeAndre Hopkins trade, uh, Tennessee giving Ryan Tannehill $140 million, therefore eliminating themselves from the Super Bowl or playoffs uh, as long as Tannehill is there, and uh, Tom Brady potentially going to Tampa Bay. So we're, we're, we're going to do our best, ladies and gentlemen. Before we get started with the actual program, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. However you do this, we our audience is pretty sweet. Uh, I was looking at some of the numbers. We got about 25 average listeners. Somewhere in there peaks at 30, somewhere in between 20 and 30 listeners. So thank you very much, everyone who has tuned in. I'm going to obviously watch all the podcasts because I edit them. You know, I don't edit them. I I publish them and put them on YouTube, whatever. And I noticed that uh, as I'm talking, I'm kind of looking around the, the studio here. And so I'll try and focus more on the camera because I feel like when I'm looking around, I, I look like uh, Dustin Hoffman in The Rain Man or something. I, 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 it looks like I'm conjuring up some spirits or some celestial deity to help me through this podcast. So I'm going to focus more on the camera, and we'll see how that goes. But no promises, no promises. Um, all, so, you know, if you're new, if you're just listening now, we're just watching now for the first time, subscribe. Rate and review, rate and review, rate and review, please. Five star on iTunes. That is the most important metric on iTunes. Bottom line. If all 30 of you, if all 25 of you go and rate five star reviews, and we have 25 five star reviews, our podcast will shoot up the rankings. So that's how it's discovered. That's how it's pushed. And uh, it, would, it would help me out a lot. So go to iTunes. If you already reviewed... You don't have to do anything else. It's only one time. You only have to do it once. You don't have to do it every episode. It's just a one-time thing. So if you're listening and you enjoy the show and you haven't gone and reviewed, go and review. All right. There we go. So again, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, easiest way to enjoy content from me. few people reached out to me today. My man, William Malden, Maldino. He reached out to me today and said, I need a podcast every single day right now. I need more of this Nostradamus predictions. He said it, so I'll just build upon what he is saying. But I have predicted this weekend basically entirely how it went. I have laid out for you guys exactly how people would respond to the coronavirus. We have been on this for three weeks now, something like that. And we've basically walked you through how you should be thinking, how you should be operating, 
we're talking back and forth of, you know, kind of, is it real? If it isn't real, what do we do? If it is real, what do we do? How should we respond? What should we be doing? And then I tell you the pitfalls of humanity. I tell you the social problems. I tell you the societal clowns, cucks, and simps. What did I tell you would happen this weekend? I said, you will see. You will see. People on your Instagram stories, on your Snapchat stories, out there at the bar, their favorite local watering hole. And what are they going to be doing? They're going to be ordering Coronas. Uh, Yes, bartender, I'll take a Corona. No virus, please. Those people deserve to die. Don't want to be overdramatic here. They deserve to die. I saw more Corona on the Instagram stories and Snapchat stories than during Cinco de Mayo. The only stock that's up right now has to be Corona. That beer... It's not that great. And so many people cracked out a six-pack of Corona just for, some, just for some yucks. Just for some chuckles. That's who I'm competing with. That's what I'm doing. I'm out here putting... I'm out here producing this podcast. Content on a million. And we've got these damn comedians. These funny boys. Out there ordering Coronas at the bar. Because they think it's funny. That's the world we live in, ladies and gentlemen. So I'll update you on the coronavirus. As of today, Monday, March, who gives a shit. We are, are Trump and the CDC has given us some regulations. They said, no a restrict places with 10 or more people. I don't know how that's not just a national lockdown. I this is where my this is where I come down on this whole thing right now. This half in half out mentality is just going to spread the coronavirus. You honestly at this point might as well just say business as usual, ladies and gentlemen, because I don't understand how it's hey Let's try and avoid places with 10 or more people. But guess what I'm going to do tomorrow? Wake up and go to work. There, hey, I'm, I'm doing the addition right here. There's more than 10 people at my work. How about you do the addition, loyal viewer, loyal watcher? How many people are at your work? Probably more than 10. How close are you to those people? Within, I don't know, let's say five feet? Are you working in a cubicle? Do you have someone next to you? Do you have someone next to them? Do you have a break room? Are you sharing coffee? Are you sharing forks and knives and cups? And are, Is there a communal area? Are you all going to the same bathroom? Are you all using the same elevator? Are you all using the same staircase? Are you all opening the same door? Do you see where I'm coming with this, ladies and gentlemen? Restaurants are open. I guarantee you right now, I'm doing this podcast. I guarantee you right now. The Chinese buffet in my city is open. I guarantee you, and I guarantee you there's probably 40 people in there eating egg foo young and sweet and sour chicken and egg drop soup, and they probably all have their hands all over the sushi bar, and they don't care. What are they supposed to do? In the city I live in, there is 14 casinos. The casinos are shutting down tonight at midnight until who knows when. The casinos are shutting down. It is the biggest economic driver of the state. Not even just the city I'm in. Of the state. Biggest economic driver. The casinos are shutting down. But I guarantee you, Applebee's is open. I guarantee you, people will go to work tomorrow. Guarantee it. 100%. So where are we at? Where, what are we supposed to do? The gym will be open. I'm not going to the gym. So I'm in this half quarantine where I'm going I'm not going to the gym. I'm not going to big gatherings. But I'm I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to put on my my chinos. I'm going to go to drive to work. I'm going to go to my cube and I'm going to sit in between four people at my cube and I'm going to work all day. What are we doing? 
what are we doing? France has implemented a 15-day stay-at-home policy. Italy, obviously, total quarantine. Spain, obviously, total quarantine. China, honest to God, China might not even exist right now. I have no clue. I have no clue. I'm pretty sure before we went on the air, San Francisco, I think, implemented a stay-at-home kind of situation. But why are we... Why and, and look, 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 look. I got, I got a lot in my mind right now for this coronavirus. I might be jumping around topics. I'm going to try and stay on one topic here. But why? It, it, it's not that I want just like to stay home. You know, it's so far past just staying home. It's so far past just, oh man, you know, I, I kind of just want to hang out. Like I just, I just want to watch, I just want to watch uh, TV. I want to watch TV. I don't even watch TV anymore. It, I, I just put on Netflix. I put on The Walking Dead. And people ask me what I'm watching. And I say the news. That's how bad it's gotten. That's where we're at right now. The Walking Dead might as well be The View. It's, that's, this is reality. This is the world. This is where we live. You know, if you want to know what's happening around the globe, just go put it on The Walking Dead. That's it. And so it's so far past that. It's so far past, oh, hell yeah, we're getting 14 days. Oh, hell yeah, we're getting five days to sit at home. Here's Here, let me lay it out for you of why I am preaching, pleading, begging right now for the nation to come out and actually say what to do. Let's say I continue my quarantine. Or let's not even take me. Take someone else. Let's say someone else has taken their quarantine. They're not going to the gym. They're not going to restaurants, all that stuff. But they're going to work. Now, let's say someone at their work gets it. Okay? And then it slowly spreads, slowly spreads. All that's doing is adding time to this huge problem. How long do y'all want this to last? That, that, that's my big thing. How long do you want this to last? These casinos are shut down. Sporting leagues are shut down. Cruise ships are shut down. Airplanes aren't shut down, but you know if you're traveling right now, I, I mean, what do you want me to do? So you got all that happening. You got uh, I mean, all these companies are working from home. This is not going to end next week. This is not going to end the week after that. They're talking about this if we're good. They're talking about this ending in July. Can you imagine? I, I, honest to God, don't know. what We will be living on dirt roads. Mississippi, Mississippi, which is where these casinos, the biggest driver for the state economically are these casinos. If Mississippi has to go from March to July with no casinos, welcome. Welcome to, the, to a third world country. We're, we're living on dirt roads, if that's the case. We're, it, it's it's the end, baby. We're we're back in the eighteen hundreds if that happens. If that happens, I'm wearing overalls, a straw hat. There's gonna be chickens in the road. Well, there won't be chickens in the road because people will eat them because there'll be no food. But there is no way these things can exist. This country's economy can exist if we make this thing last from March into July. And why are we extending it so far? Why are we why is this virus's lifetime extended? Because these guys want to go drink a six-pack of Corona and put it on their Snap story. That's why. Because Mitch, Chad, they want to go to the local bar and order a Corona No Virus so they can put it on their Instagram story. Congratulations, Chad. You just bankrupt the cruise ship industry. GG, brother. Congratulations. Now put up your white sunglasses and your flip-flop with the bottle opener in the bottom and your seat belt belt, take those off, your American Eagle polo with the matching American Eagle undershirt underneath, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, Chad. You know exactly what shirt I'm talking about, the baby blue polo with the pink eagle, and you wear the pink undershirt underneath, Chad. You know what I mean. You just bankrupted Delta, Chad. That's where we're at. And I see now that this is going into just, just, just a, a rant. But I, I mean... Uh, this is where we're at. I just have no clue what we're supposed to do. I don't know where... I don't know what the appropriate thing to do is. I don't understand the appropriate level of precaution, the appropriate level of fear right now. 
I was having this conversation and it all runs together because I think we're all saying the same thing. I think we're all believing the same thing. But I think right now there's two real kind of frames of thought. There's the frame of thought that the virus is really scary. And I think people still hold on to the idea of the virus being really, really scary and the virus being, you know, the threat. Whereas if you get the virus and you survive, all good. And then there's a school of thought of people who are strictly worried about transmission. That's where I live. I'm the mayor of this city. I'm the governor of Transmission City. I don't live over here in Virus in Virus Avenue. I, I, I don't live here. Let me just break it down for you. Let me help you. This is where I now present information. We offer takes. We, we make some funnies. And now I give you rock-solid information that you can take home, tell your friends and family. In Virusville, the big question is, why is it so different than the flu? It's just the flu. We said it on the last podcast. How many people do you know are acting like it's no big deal, and their evidence for you is, it's just the flu. The flu kills 40,000 people a year. You don't see anybody talking about the flu. So here's, here's why it's worse than the flu. There's no immunity to it. There's no medicine for it. The flu, there's tons of medicine for it. There's no medicine for this virus. Okay? The flu, if you get the flu, you'll show symptoms in about five days. Longest. One to five days, you'll show symptoms. Cool. Coronavirus, COVID-19, you will not show symptoms, or you will show symptoms somewhere in between one and 14 days. Okay? Why is that so bad? Because there's a whole lot you can do in six days. Seven days, eight days, nine days, ten days. There's a whole lot of people you come in contact with. That's why this thing spreads so much. Now we walk it back. Why is it spreading so much so bad if it's just like the flu? Ooh, three steps backwards. We just learned it's not like the flu because there's no medicine. It's not like the flu because there's nothing you can do. They don't even want you going to the hospital. If you have symptoms, they want you calling in your symptoms. And then if they get worse or... You know, they develop or whatever. Then you may get a test. Then if you get a test, all you'll do is quarantine, hope you beat it. If you don't beat it, all they can do for you is put you on a respirator. Okay? And that's if you're healthy. That's if, that's if you're me. That's, that's if you're you know, a healthy mid-20s person. If you're in your mid-20s, you're a normal, healthy, not, not vulnerable person at all. And I don't mean vulnerable like cried during Marley on me, okay? I mean vulnerable like compromised, like you got diabetes, like you got you got cancer, you got you know you got some AIDS. I, I don't know what you do in your spare time. You could have anything. If you're a normal mid twenties healthy person and you get coronavirus, you probably will survive. More than likely, ninety something percent you will survive. But it ain't about you. It ain't about you. This is bigger than you. This is bigger than if you can handle it. It's not about if you can handle it. It's about can your grandma handle it? Can your grandfather handle it? Can the little old lady behind you at the line in the grocery store handle it? Can, can, they, can they handle it? And we talked about it last week. Exact same thing. If you roll up into a group of 80-year-old dudes, a couple of them had heart attacks, a couple of them had skin cancer, a couple of them who knows what, you'll kill the whole damn group. You'll kill the whole group of them. Or... They'll try and fight it off, but they won't be able to fight it off because they won't get medicine, they won't get proper care, and then they'll just die in their beds. So the conversation of the virus isn't that bad it shouldn't even exist at this point. And I think, I, I really think, you know, this weekend was interesting because I had a chance to go out Friday night, or was it Saturday night? Saturday night. Was it, was it Friday or Saturday? One of the nights. I think it was Saturday night. I had a chance to go out. And I didn't go out. Because I thought it, was, it would be hugely irresponsible. I wasn't worried about me getting it. I just didn't want to contribute to 
the group, right? I didn't want to contribute to being out in that environment. I didn't, I didn't want to be a part of that. And I saw a lot of people out, a lot of people in huge gathering places, a lot of people in big packed areas. And I think it's a lot of people, and I'm going to make a broad sweep here. I think it's a lot of people between the ages of 24 and 28, somewhere in there. Well, it goes younger. We'll go, we'll go eight. We'll, we'll say 21. 21 to 28. And I think it's people who are either still in college, people who are just out of college, people who really haven't experienced life a lot, people who haven't bought their first car, haven't bought their first house, don't live alone, people who don't do stuff like that. And it's not, it's not like a status thing. But I think once you deal with life a lot, you know, you deal with paying bills, or you deal with just complications in life, just experiences. You understand just kind of, your role, your responsibility in life. I think as you develop that, I think in situations like this, you're much more likely to be able to step back and say, hey, I'm not afraid of getting it. I'm not afraid of getting sick. I understand the the virus. I understand the situation. I'm choosing not to go to this bar because it's the right thing to do. And you see with voting, people that are 18 to 30... Are tend to be pretty vocal with politics, especially nowadays. But they don't go vote. And I think that's more the life experience thing. I think once you develop some experiences, once you develop, you know, you're, you're just your time around the block, however you want to put it, you start to vote more because you understand your responsibility. You understand your place in this in this cycle. There's a reason that the older you go the higher percentage of people you have voting. Bottom line, an 18-year-old, a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old, they don't understand the responsibilities. They don't understand you know, checks and balances. They, they, they don't have enough life experience. And I think that's what we saw with this weekend. And I'm not blaming it all on 25-year-olds. I'm not saying that it was just 25-year-olds. There were older people making bad decisions. So I'm not lumping in. I, I don't believe that it was just 25-year-olds. But I I think that mindset, I would guess, is another really broad sweep. I would guess that if I went to a local bar Saturday night that I know was packed, and I asked people, hey, did you vote in the primary? I would guess it's less than 2%. I would, I would guess almost all of the people there either don't vote or don't vote in the primary. And this, again, is a very broad, sweeping kind of thing we're doing here. But hopefully, and, and the listeners of this podcast have always been smart, and they always have understood critical thinking. And so I think we're, I think we understand each other. But it was just so disappointing to see, to see that. And a good example of the confusion in America happened in my city. Uh, Friday. So our our St. Patrick's Day parade and our St. Patrick's Day like grilling on the green, town green barbecue kind of thing, concert, whatever, was supposed to be Saturday. Friday, it was still on. Like Friday, the city officials came out and said, we're still doing it. It's still scheduled. And this is after Dublin canceled their St. Patrick's Day parade, Boston canceled theirs, Chicago canceled theirs. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, well, surely, if, surely, and my city has about 40,000 people in it, something like that. And I'm thinking, surely, if they see Boston and Chicago and Dublin, freaking Dublin, if they see them canceling there, surely they'll cancel ours, right? Surely they'll cancel the one here. That should be the guideline. And that's where this, that's where this 10 person, that's where all this confuses me so much. And eventually my city did cancel the parade and the barbecue grilling on the green thing. But it wasn't until very late Friday. And it wasn't until they kind of realized just, just how, like how, not, not how real it is, but how obvious it is that those things have to go. And that's where we're at right now with this 10-person thing. 
if Walt Disney World has shut down, if casinos in Las Vegas have shut down, why the hell is the 17-person mom-and-pop bakery or whatever down the street, why are they still open? Why is the 22-person accounting firm down the street from my house in South Mississippi, why are they open? Why are they sitting in their cubes if Amazon has sent all their workers home? And a reason, I suppose, could be, well, they can't, they can't survive. Like, they don't have an option. They can't just close. You know, Amazon can close or Amazon can go online only. These mom-and-pop places can't. And that's where, that's like the crux of the issue, right? The crux of the issue is what actually happens if we shut down? Or what actually happens if there isn't any food or if there isn't any toilet paper or if there isn't any, you know, soap? Or what, what, what actually happens if cruise ships don't operate for four months? What actually happens? And how much are we willing to risk our own health for our normalcy. How, how much are we willing to risk you know, the possibility of endangering ourselves, our community, our world, just so we can catch a paycheck? It's a really weird thing, and it's something that has not happened before in the history of the universe, where I don't think... I don't think people should be in the wrong, or I don't think people should be punished for saying, hey, look, boss, I've done the math, took me all night, but there's 34 people who work in our open air, open space office building. I mean, it's all cubes. We share a coffee pot. We share a water fountain. I am not comfortable coming to work. I don't have any symptoms, but I'm not comfortable coming to work. I don't think those people should have to go to work. Now, I, I, I totally understand the idea of, well, if people don't go to work, people aren't open, people aren't making money, people aren't paying bills, people aren't paying rent, people aren't paying their mortgages, people are getting kicked out of their houses. I understand the dominoes. But that's what I'm saying. There has to be some kind of system to where people aren't deciding between the health of their fellow man versus paying their water bill. You know what I mean? I went to the grocery store today. Today was the day where I was like looking around. And I said, this could get bad. This may get worse. And if it gets worse and we do go into a 14-day quarantine or a 5-day quarantine or a 7-day quarantine or whatever it may be, I do not want to be the guy who has no food at the house and has to go to the grocery store in the biggest panic peak possible and try and buy some groceries. So I went to the grocery store and I went to, I didn't go to Walmart, didn't go to Winn-Dixie, didn't go to Target. I went to this little bitty uh, grocery store thing in, you know, not a great part of town because I figured there would be stuff there. And I figured there wouldn't be too many people there. And I went there and there was nothing there. I mean, it, it looked like a bomb went off. There was nothing there. They had no food. Like they had no, and you know, I try and eat relatively healthy. I don't like to eat just like Chef Boyardee out of the can. I don't like to eat just like frozen preservative packed foods. Don't like to eat like real sugary foods. Don't like to eat like you know, stuff like that. And so I'm in there. I'm trying to kind of pick out stuff that I know I can keep for a week, two weeks, but that also I won't be eat like I won't just gain forty pounds because all all I'm eating is hot pockets and you know pizza you know pizza rolls and eggs. So I'm walking around and they have no steaks. They have no chicken. They have no ground beef. No ground turkey. They had like pig lips or something. They had, I don't know what the hell it was. It was like a bag of pig parts, basically. They didn't have any protein like that. They had some eggs. I got a couple dozen eggs. Uh, they did not have any like egg whites. They didn't have cottage cheese. They didn't have stuff like that. Um, I got some rice. Uh, I got some mushrooms. I just got random stuff. I just got stuff like just to fill a plate, basically. They had no vegetables. Freezer, like the frozen vegetables, they didn't have any of that. They had some produce. I got a couple bags of spinach, a five-pound bag of potatoes. I got two dozen eggs, rice, oatmeal. I think that might be it. Yeah, I think that's it. But I, I mean, I, I was walking through there, and I, I'm just looking around. I'm like, well, I have to get food. You know, I, I'm not... 
I'm just grabbing stuff. I'm not getting like the perfect menu here. I'm not getting what I would normally get. I'm just grabbing stuff to get it. And that was when it really hit me of just how serious this is on my level, on just a human individual level, me at my house, right? Because I'm, I'm stocking up. I'm packing stuff up, and I'm thinking, how much do I need to buy? In my head, I was thinking, when I first got in there, I was thinking, I need to buy a week's worth of groceries. And then I thought, well, what if we go to a two-week? Do I need to buy two weeks of groceries? And then you start thinking, well, what the hell can last for two weeks? Stuff like spinach can't, right? Stuff, I mean, potatoes aren't going to keep for two, three weeks, depending on how you have them set out or how old they are. So I'm looking around thinking, do I need to get cereal? I don't even eat cereal. Do I actually get boxes and boxes of cereal? And so when I was at the frozen vegetable aisle, a woman, an older lady walked up to me. And she, not old, old, but probably 60, something like that, 50, late 50s, early 60s. And she walked up to me and she was like, uh, do you know where the paper towels are? And I wanted to say, lady, do you have dementia? Do you not know what's going on right now? Uh, the paper towels are in someone's shed, or the paper towels are stocked in someone's attic. They're not here, lady. They're where the toilet paper is. Gone. But I was like, yeah, I think they're on aisle four, but they're probably not there. People probably bought them all if you haven't found them. And she was like, oh, yeah, that's probably true. And then she looked me dead in my eyes. I don't know this lady. And she said, we're about to go in 14-day lockdown." She just rolled out. And she just dropped that little nugget on me. And I was thinking, I was like, you know, this is just some random lady. But I was like, I need to listen to this. I need to take this advice. And that's when I started grabbing random mushrooms and random potatoes and random things. I was just sweeping stuff up. I bought some olive oil for whatever reason. Sweeping it up. If this is any other time, you know, if this is any other time some lady walks up to me and she's like, tells me a riddle. I'm not listening to this lady. But because of this situation, it's so unknown right now. It's just so unknown. So unknown, guys. All we can do, my personal prediction, I guess, how I feel about this situation, is I think it's going to get worse. I think the stock market's going to get worse. I think the economy's going to crash worse. Um, I was looking at some data, and in every bear market since 1950, and we we're in a bear market, since every bear market since 1950, from from when it hit a bear market to its lowest possible point, the soonest was three months. That was in 2008, I think. No, maybe, maybe before that. can't remember. But it was three months was the lowest point. We're on day 26 of our bear market. So theoretically, let's just say... Let's just say we do it in two months. A full month faster than any other time in, the, in human history, or since 1950. If we do it in two months, we still have almost 40 days before the lowest point economically. When you think about that, you think about how bad our economy is right now, and how bad these businesses are hurting. It's hard to forecast things getting worse, but everyone in the know seems to be saying, oh, it's going to get worse. Even the, the CDC guy, even the guy talking about the disease, they were saying it's going to get worse before it gets better. So the people who look around right now and who are thinking this is the worst, this is the time where it's okay right now, we just got to kind of figure it out from here, those, that's, those are the people who I think need to take a little bit of a reality check. What if we aren't at the bottom? What does the bottom look like? You know, it's a really scary idea. Of what exactly is the bottom? I guess the bottom is a national shutdown. I would guess the bottom is a 14-day quarantine, a 14-day stay in your house, 14-day don't do anything, nation shut down. I would guess that is the bottom because then, obviously, businesses, the economy, layoffs, all that stuff happens. Unemployment goes up, you know, the whole nine yards. So I think we're teetering. I Personally, I think we'll see a shutdown. It may not be 14 days. But you're already seeing some cities do it. Frisco did it. And once New York, you know, once bigger, once cities kind of domino and they start shutting down, obviously places will have to listen. You know, universities have shut down, schools have shut down. So I think we're inching closer to a shutdown. With that shutdown will come the bottom. 
and then we just ride out that bottom for a few months and start to rebound. That's my prediction. My personal prediction is that right there. That's how I see this happening. Now, right now, we have to, right now, all we can do is act like everything's okay. Right now, all we can do, but, but, but even saying that is wrong. You know, like we, don't, we, we don't need to act like everything's okay. What I mean is, what we can do is take your own self-precautions. Don't go to the gym. Don't go to restaurants. Don't go to bars. Don't go to buffets. Don't go to crowded places. But live your life, right? Wake up, eat food, you know, exercise at your house if you have to, run around the block, whatever. And I guess you have to go to work unless you just have had enough. If I lived with an older person, like if I lived with my grandma or lived with my grandpa or something, I wouldn't go to work. I would say, look, I'm caring for this 80-year-old person. I'm not comfortable every single day going to a crowded office and coming back to this house. So I'm going to quarantine with her or him. That's what I would say. Because it's me, because I can kind of self-quarantine myself where I can go to work, come home, go to work, come home. Until they tell me not to go to work, I have to go to work, right? But it's close. It's real close. I think that if you have a reason, small child, taking care of an adult, have any symptoms at all, if you have a fever. If I had a fever, if I had a fever, if, I, if tonight I woke up sweating and I had a 99-degree fever, I'd tell my work, I have a fever tonight. I have no other symptoms. I don't know what this is, but I'm, I am self-quarantining for at least the next week. At least a week, and then I'm going to monitor my symptoms no questions asked. And I would expect any work to to acknowledge that. But it's uh it's 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 scary times out there, it really is. It really is scary times. I don't have all the answers. I I I wish we were a little more rigid on on the recommendations. I wish the United States would say, "Look, non-essential people stay home. If you can work from home, Stay home, work from home, live home. You know, if you can do that. If you can't, good God, be careful. Take every precaution. I mean, gas stations, like even gas stations. Like, I have to go to gas stations if I'm going to go to work all week. I have to, to use the gas stations. That's, that's, a, that's, that's concerning. It honestly is in this, in this day and age. Gas stations are probably up there in the germ capital list. So it's, it's tough. Um, wash your hands, obviously, all that stuff. I feel like I'm kind of blacked out in the middle of this podcast. We're just ranting and raving and, and trying, to, trying to do this. But I feel like we're on the peak. I feel like we're in that area where we're kind of in the tipping point to where within the next 48 hours, we'll probably know where we are. We'll probably know just how bad it's going to be and will there be shutdowns and stuff. So I'm, kind of, I mean, I'm concerned. I'd be lying to y'all if I said I wasn't concerned. I'd be lying to y'all if I said I wasn't nervous. I'd be lying to y'all if I said I was. I felt un, you know sure of things. I don't feel sure. I, I I feel very unsure of what's happening across the nation, or across the world. And it's not because I'm afraid of catching this virus. It's because I'm afraid of the economy stalling out and layoffs and people getting fired and people getting booted out of their house. I mean, it, that it's a real thing. You know, it's a real, real, real thing right now. I have no idea how long this is going. I don't have the clock, so we'll we'll touch on. Um, I guess we'll, we'll touch real quick on some football news. And, and again, it's so hard to even talk about this stuff because it's like we're talking about a season of the NFL coming up that might not happen. We're talking about sports when right now sports really don't matter. Sports don't even exist right now. Sports do not exist, and they're not going to exist for any time soon. Going to the movies doesn't exist. You know, like. The world as we knew, knew it does not exist. Hey, you want to go see a movie? Doesn't exist. Hey, you want to go bowling? Doesn't exist. Hey, you want to go uh, grab a beer? Shouldn't exist. Hey, you want to go, I mean, anything. You want to go to a Chinese buffet? Grab some sushi? Go to a concert? Shouldn't exist. You want to go watch a basketball game? Nope. Not happening. Want to go to the gym? No. Doesn't exist. But in Tennessee, uh, it just feels so weird. I, I, I honestly don't even know if I can do it. I, I feel, I feel un, like I feel, I feel like I'm a, 
I'm like disingenuous trying to talk about different topics or trying to talk about. Oh, well, I know we talk about democratic debate. This is this is a good example. Democratic debate happened last night. Happened uh, on a Sunday night, and watched a little bit of it. And they were talking about climate change. And when I was watching it, first of all, Biden and Sanders were going at it. They do not like each other. And Sanders was full rabid dog. Biden was full deer in the headlights, staring off into nothingness. Probably didn't even know he was on stage. And, I mean, it was a wreck. But they started talking about climate change. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, climate change? Climate change? Yeah, we need to start uh, monitoring the climate change because if we don't, you know, we could lose our planet in the next next couple hundred years. Brother, we we're, we could lose the planet in the next three hours. We could. China is gone. Italy locked down. Spain locked down. What are you talking about? Climate change, my man. There is a pandemic virus across the United States, across the whole world. What the hell are you talking about? Climate change. That I mean, that's all I can think about. But I think Biden locked up the nominee last night. Uh, I don't think Sanders has a chance. Unless Biden does something really stupid, which could easily happen. I'm surprised it doesn't happen three or four times a day. His handlers must be really working. But I think Biden is going to be your nominee. Uh, Biden said he would endorse a... Or Biden said he would have a female vice president. Whatever we've said on this podcast, we've said before, I believe it will be Michelle Obama. And Michelle and Biden could, depending on how Trump handles this coronavirus thing, I think Michelle and Biden could be, could beat Trump. I think that if Biden said, look, I'm running for one term after that, Michelle can be your president. I think he could swing a lot of votes with that. I think that brings along Obama's endorsement, which he does not have yet for whatever reason. And having Michelle as the person who can be on commercials, who can be on TV shows, can go on Ellen, can go on... The Tonight Show, that can, you know, she can basically run, but Biden can be the bulletproof vest who just takes Trump's flack in debates and stuff like this. So it would be Biden and Trump debating, and Biden would just take the heat, and then you'd see Michelle on you know, radio, on TV, and movies, celebrity endorsements. You know, the, so it would be interesting. That's that's what I think is going to happen. I think Biden will use Michelle and. Uh, and that, that could be Trump's... I think they could beat Trump. I'd be pretty nervous if I was Trump and I saw Biden-Obama, you know, the sequel. Only this time Michelle. But real quick, since I've referenced it a few times, Tennessee Titans, they gave Ryan Tannehill a couple hundred million dollars, or a hundred million dollars. Uh, the Cowboys... Uh, franchise tag Dak Prescott and the Cardinals and Texans made a huge trade for DeAndre Hopkins switching DeAndre Hopkins David Johnson and a couple picks so we'll do these really quick Dallas I think the jury is still out on Dak and I think Dak I think Dak is good but I don't know you know my belief right I've said it here a thousand times you can only win with two things quarterback on a rookie deal or an elite level MVP Hall of Fame quarterback. That's it. There's nothing in between. You don't win. You don't win paying Jared Goff $100 million. You don't win paying Kirk Cousins $100 million. You don't win paying Dak Prescott $120 million unless Dak Prescott is actually a Hall of Fame level quarterback. You win by having Tom Brady. You win by having Russell Wilson on his rookie deal when you can pay somebody else. You win by having Jared Goff on his rookie deal where you can pay other people. You you win by having Drew Brees, by having Peyton Manning. You you know, there are of course the outliers where you have Joe Flacco, but in that moment Joe Flacco had a great defense, he was playing lights out, stuff happens, you know, stuff stuff comes together. But Dallas is a weird situation because they they wasted a lot of time with Jason Garrett. So we'll see what they can do with Mike McCarthy if there's a season. But I would lean towards paying Dak. I, I think tagging him is fine. I think Dak is pissed. But for the for the franchise, I think it makes sense. Tag him. Just don't worry about it. I think that, that makes a lot of sense. As far as Tennessee, Tennessee, I, I don't understand this move at all. Giving Ryan Tannehill $100 million, he had like, 
He had like 20 completions the entire playoffs. Derrick Henry ran for 250 yards every game, and he was literally carrying that team the entire way. So I don't understand the idea of let's let's pay Tannehill. I get the idea of tagging Henry because you never know his running backs. But I don't understand why you need Tannehill. If anything, Tannehill like what's the difference really between Tannehill and Jameis Winston? If you tell Jameis Winston, hey man, you're throwing the ball ten times this game, don't throw interceptions. You like throw these little short routes. They're I mean, Jameis has a higher upside. He also has more risk, I guess. But, I I'm, I mean, Jameis is probably a bad example because he's so volatile. But what's the difference between Tannehill and Mr. Bisky? What's the difference between Tannehill and Case Keenum? Uh, nothing, I would say. I don't see any difference. I don't, think, I don't think Case Keenum is too far off from Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill played good during the season in some spots. But in the playoffs, he was winning games with eight passes. That just doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like you pay a guy a hundred million dollars who you trust to throw the ball eight times in a must-win AFC Championship game. Maybe it's just me. I don't know, but I thought that was really weird. Tennessee will not win with Tannehill now. It's impossible. There's no way they can pay Tannehill a hundred million dollars. Go pay anybody else, and he's not good enough to carry them. Tennessee, in my opinion. May win the division, but that's about it. Just because the division is kind of weak. Tennessee pretty much eliminated themselves from Super Bowl talk. Really deep playoff run talk. Until Tannehill's gone or his contract's gone. As far as the Houston-Arizona trade. I think Arizona got the much better end of the trade right now. If David Johnson can play at all like he played a few years ago. Then it's relatively fair trade. I think it was more to do with getting Hopkins off the books because Hopkins wants a big deal. Arizona can do the deal. Houston could not. So anytime money is involved like that, kind of skews the trade. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's a fleece job for Arizona if David Johnson plays how he's played. And it's going to be interesting to see what Deshaun Watson does now that he has nothing. I mean, it's just Deshaun, just, just Deshaun Watson. The rest of the team is gutted. The, the rest of the team is awful. They lost everybody. They lost Jadavion Clowney, DeAndre Hopkins. They have no running back. It's Deshaun and Deshaun only. If Deshaun gets hurt, that's the worst team in the NFL. So Houston, I'm not sure exactly what they're doing. I I really don't know. I I, I would understand it if they went and got Ezekiel Elliott, but you're getting a running back who doesn't play. You're getting a running back who's hurt all the time. So it's not like you're saying, oh, we're going to take some pressure off Deshaun Watson. Not really. You're... You're putting more pressure on them because now they don't have to cover DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm not sure what Houston's doing. Arizona, it'll be interesting because Kyler Murray played pretty good last season, but DeAndre Hopkins is kind of a stretch the field, throw it deep kind of guy, and Arizona runs kind of a short pass, West Coast, high tempo, dinks and dunks and screens. and So maybe they feel like Hopkins can excel in that role of getting screen passes, getting quick routes, and just kind of expand explosive plays and maybe they feel like he doesn't need to take the top off the defense as much even though Kyler Murray is fully capable of making those throws you know Kyler Murray isn't Johnny Manziel so it'll be interesting to see how that works it's always interesting to see a top tier rookie get weapons Um, Kyler Murray you know I'm not talking about Baker Mayfield I'm talking about someone who succeeded someone who looks good looks like they're progressing now you give them some weapons second year in the league Arizona could be good. Arizona could be a 500 team. I, I can see them winning eight, winning eight games. That makes sense. Arizona was supposed to win like two games last year. I think they went, what, five or six. So I can see them progress into that eight-win eight, eight win category, which, you know, if you're Arizona and you have second-year Kyler Murray, you're probably pretty happy with that. Pretty happy with that progression line. So great, great trade for Arizona, potentially. Houston, not really sure what they're doing. Like if I had to guess, it has something to do with contracts. But I don't know. I'm not in the back room. Tennessee, awful move. Uh, they sunk the ship. Tampa Bay is supposed to be the favorite right now to land Tom Brady. It's pretty dangerous. Tampa Bay is a really, really good roster. And Tom Brady, with those receivers, with that defense, with the line, with Bruce Arians, Tampa Bay probably makes the playoffs. Tampa Bay is probably a really good team if Brady's down there. I don't know why Brady would want to go to Tampa Bay. There's much more attractive places to go. Los Angeles, Las Vegas, even back to Boston. 
or New England, excuse me, but Minnesota. So Tampa Bay, geographically, doesn't make a lot of sense. Can't see him and Giselle moving down there. But then again, we say that because that's what we would do. You know, if I move, if I took a job in Tampa Bay, I would move there. But if I had hundreds of millions of dollars and I only was there for four months out of the year, whatever it was, maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I would just charter flights. Maybe I would just get a private plane. Maybe I would just get a condo down there and I fly down there when I needed to. So maybe, you know, I think we make a lot of, I think we make a big deal out of that with pro athletes. You know, LeBron James is going to LA. He's got to move his kids. He's got to move his house. He's got to move this. Yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's different. Maybe they, maybe they just kind of use a plane or they, you know, it's not as big of a, like when I, I mean, you know, you, you, when you, when I say, Hey, I'm taking a job in Denver, that's like, Oh, that's badass. You know, Denver's cool to these guys going and playing in Oklahoma city. It's like, well, how much time are you actually in Oklahoma city? I don't know. I'm not a pro athlete, but I would guess it's not very much. I would guess they're not just full time living in Oklahoma city or whatever city, Tampa Bay. I would guess they're not full time living in Tampa Bay. So maybe that plays into it, but all right, it feels like this has been a pretty long podcast. Feels like it's uh, you know, we 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 got a lot done here. Thank you for sticking it with me. Thank you for getting through this. I don't know what's next with this virus. So what's next with this country or with the world? Hopefully things, hopefully things get to where they have to go, and that's a polite way of me saying hopefully whatever's worse happens fast so we can start rebuilding. That's where we're at right now. That's where I'm at. Is hope I, I just want to see, you know, I want to see what we're doing. I want I want a plan. I want a blueprint. I don't want this half in, half out. I don't want us to still be talking about coronavirus in June. I don't want there to still be cases popping up in three weeks, four weeks, because people are going to work, people are going to restaurants, people are going to bars. You know, it doesn't, doesn't make any sense to me. So I hope we just drop the, the lockdown, we kill this virus, we take 15 days, we suffer. And then in 15 days, we can rebuild and we can start that process. So thanks, guys, for listening very much. This has been the James Conner Show podcast. Remember, rate, review, subscribe. I really am. I'm the bottom line. I'm the best podcaster out there today. Are you listening? Damn.